it seems like Dante Moncrief and, and Tavon Austin, um, you know, there's there's almost no limit to what people are are willing to believe about those guys, regardless of what they actually do on an NFL field. There's people who believe in Laquan Treadwell as well. So, I mean, I don't know what to do with that one. Well, Treadwell, at least, you know, I don't know. yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say beyond at least because he hasn't really done anything. Hey everyone and welcome to the May 29th, 2018 edition of the Rotoviz Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by the FFPC. I'm Blair Andrews, you can follow me on Twitter at AmItheRealBlair, and uh, we've got several treats in store for you today because we're actually covering way more than just the last week of news, and uh, I'm even more excited to introduce my new co-host, a uh, fellow Rotoviz writer. Um, a familiar voice if you listen to the podcast channel. I think that's, of course, Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? It's going fantastic. Uh, how's it going with you, Blair? Oh, I'm great. You know, uh, lovely, well, not lovely, rainy Memorial Day weekend, but um, yeah, fun to uh, get that extra day and uh, really excited to be talking some football. And I'm really excited about our guest today. Uh, joining us on the show is Rotoviz co-owner, uh, editor-in-chief, Sean Siegel. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian. Sean, how's it going? Great. Unlike where it sounds like you were, it's it's always 100 and sunny here in Tucson. I was telling you guys before we started that uh, this weekend I was able to uh, participate in an escape room with some of my relatives, and, and we, we cured... Uh, the zombies at the two minute mark. So uh, save the world this weekend and looking forward to talking about fantasy football. Now to clarify, does that mean that you solved it in two minutes after two minutes no, of being we, in? You, we have an hour and uh, we got right down there to the edge. So okay. <laughs> the, the fate of the world came down to about 120 seconds there. And, and luckily we came through. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, first item to discuss is uh, probably the biggest news item we've had this offseason. Hunter Henry suffered a torn ACL at Chargers OTAs on May 22nd. Uh, Sean, I know you drafted Mike Williams in the MFL 10 of death. So with Henry out for the season, what exactly are you expecting, expecting out of Williams in 2018? And is he possibly even undervalued at this point? Yeah, well, I, I think that Henry is going to... to uh, Henry's absence is, is going to create a void there, obviously, and, and Mike Williams should jump up. Uh, he was the number three riser at wide receiver this week uh, following that information. And you can see exactly who else is moving and, and how much uh, using our updated MFL 10 uh, ADP app. Um, I was a little skeptical of Williams a season ago because his market share numbers were just okay. Uh, especially for someone who was drafted as high as he was, but he did have impressive raw totals. You've got, you know, 1,361 yards and 11 scores. And even though that comes in 15 games because they get that extra run with the the college football playoffs in there. Um, and even in the context of having a larger passing total, obviously those are impressive numbers. And then when you see a team go out and make the kind of draft commitment that they did for him, uh, you, you know what their plans are. And so, it's difficult to know what to make 
of his rookie season, one of the things we always do want to look at is that NFL production uh, right away. What were they able to do? And and that gives a lot of information for rookies. When you're looking at second year players, you're definitely looking at that college production, the draft spot, and then their rookie production. And for him, we don't really have that information because his back injury limited him to really just a handful of snaps. But when he was in there, uh, they put him in and used him in a way where he was often uh, deployed from a snap perspective at the expense of Henry. And so certainly with Henry out, I mean, we should see very high snaps for him. And then it will be a matter of how quickly he can uh, use his length and, you know, hopefully athleticism, his ability to win jump balls to make that impact at the NFL level. Certainly, you know, even just from a volume perspective, he looks like a value at that place. So maybe undervalued or overvalued a year ago, undervalued now. I actually uh, agree with Sean. Just looking at their depth chart, you've got 114 targets up for grabs. That's the total target uh, number of raw targets that both Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates accounted for last season. And I strongly doubt that we're going to see Virgil Green sort of step up and command that kind of target share. I I feel like they're going to go three wide most of the time with uh, Keenan Allen and uh, Mike Williams, especially what Sean mentioned just a little bit about Mike Williams. I, I think that he's probably going to be the biggest beneficiary here. Uh, Now, according to our MFL 1080p app, it looks like Williams is still being drafted behind Tyrell Williams. But you guys think that uh, Mike Williams is going to be leapfrogging him on the depth chart? You expect him to come in as the number two behind Keenan Allen? Well, I was a big fan of Tyrell due to the production that he had put up, and, and he was someone that I certainly targeted last year. Uh, and, and having a bounce-back season for him would not be a surprise. At the same time, uh, you know, watching the games, there there were a surprising number of deep passes where Philip Rivers put the ball right on him 50 yards down the field, and he was unable to make the grab. Now, most of that is just really bad luck. Um, you know, some very specific situations where he didn't make the play. But I do think that that does affect how the QB sees him. It does affect how the coaching staff sees him. And while he should bounce back from what was a disappointing season last year, if they can get Mike Williams to go into that number two role, which certainly is is what their plan for him was, then I think they will force that to an extent. And, and that gives Mike uh, the leg up in that battle. Yeah, I mean, they spend a very, very high first-round draft pick on him last season. Certainly, they're very high on him as a talented player, and they're very high on him coming into last season. Unfortunately, he missed most of the season. He, I feel that uh, Mike Williams sort of profiles uh, fairly well as one of those second-year breakouts. I know that both uh, Sean, you, and Blair have been doing fantastic work regarding wide receiver breakouts this offseason. And uh, do you think Mike Williams fits that mold, or am I a little bit off-base here? Well, the main thing that we've seen with this research is that second year breakout really is the area that you want to target. We looked at the numbers in slightly different ways. I believe Blair was looking at the the wide receiver three threshold, which certainly uh, is where in most fantasy leagues that wide receiver is breaking into the lineup. Uh, I've done a, a bunch of research looking at it from the perspective of 200 points, which is approximately the level that you get from a wide receiver two and certainly a level where if you get 200 points within the context of a season, then that's a very startable wide receiver if you're a fantasy roster. And the thing that's a little bit surprising is that wide receivers break out earlier, I think, than many realize. We hear about the third-year breakout all the time, but really 
receivers break out much more frequently as second year players. They break out similarly frequently as first year players. And when you, if you want to break them into two boxes and look at first and second year players together versus third and fourth year players, that first box, the younger group is a much better group in terms of the number of breakouts and then also how good those players are later. So if you are drafting in a dynasty league, a startup, a rookie draft, you're trying to decide whether or not you want to trade in, uh, maybe sell one of your veterans who's solid but is not a league winner for you. If you trade into that group, then when you're getting a first-year player, when you're getting a second-year player, you're going to score more points than people realize. And you know Blair has done some other excellent research showing that that first year, uh, between the first and second year, is that year where the points really go up. And in the rest of the seasons, you're looking at decreases. Now, some of those decreases are not necessarily what you might consider prime players decreasing. It might be someone like a Cordero Patterson, who really the only reason he had the points and the volume in the first place is his team forced him into that role. And then, you know, as they realize those numbers go down, but we have a, a large volume of research at this point showing the players score points earlier and then also drop off earlier than people think. So if you're trying to figure out what to do with your dynasty roster, you really do want to focus on those young players. The other thing that we see is that players who come out of college at a young age tend to do a lot better. And it's, it's a little bit more detailed than that in that specifically players who break out early in college and then players who declare early for the draft. So those are two groups that vastly outperform the seniors or the players who break out later in college. For example, second round early declares outscore seniors who are drafted in the 11 to 32 range. So basically we take out that first 10 because the draft expectation there is so high and because it's kind of an apples to oranges comparison because almost every player drafted in that top 10 is an early declare. And we don't want to inflate the numbers by saying, well, look, you know, look at these top 10 guys. Even once we take those out, we see that the second round early declares, they outscore the seniors in round one, the third round early declares, they outscore second round seniors. So basically you have this entire round shift in terms of whether a player has declared early or whether he's declaring as a senior. Now, if you don't know all of that information, you can certainly do a shortcut and just say, where was the person drafted? How old is he? If you just know those two things, you're going to be able to beat your rookie draft most of the time. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, um, you know, a lot of the work that I've done on this stuff is mostly reiterating uh, stuff Sean's already done. But um, uh, the one thing I recall Neil Dutton writing an article maybe uh, toward the beginning of the off season, looking at um, kind of comparing rookie seasons to uh, what what players did in their career. And players who have done basically nothing in their rookie seasons usually don't go on to uh, to do much later. So it is kind of a red flag that Mike Williams really didn't have a rookie season. I know he wasn't healthy for most of it, so uh, we can kind of give him a pass on that. But, um, you know, he's not somebody I liked as a prospect anyway, so uh, it's kind of <laughs> kind of hard to, uh, to shift gears and uh, really get excited about him. But he definitely is in a good position to break out this year. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you. I mean, maybe as a prospect, he was slightly overvalued, but for redraft and maybe if his stock is low enough in Dynasty, I guess I'll try and see if I can acquire him. 
According to ESPN reporters Jeff Dickerson, second rounder Anthony Miller is earmarked for the slot receiver job. Uh, Sean, we just had a discussion about rookies and older rookies, considering that the Bears traded up to draft Miller in the second round. Do you think Miller is a good breakout candidate his rookie season? He is older, though. Bear in mind, he's about 23 and a half years old. And uh, guess does that make him a better redraft candidate versus dynasty candidate? The situation with Miller does go back to this concept we were discussing where you have um, these seniors who just don't do as well. And there are plenty of exceptions, but, but there are lots of great examples of how the younger player works. So you, you go back to last year and you look at two players who are being drafted in approximately the same range and you have Zay Jones and you have Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, picking out this just one example, you know that, that doesn't prove anything, but it, it, it is another example of a situation where Jones has fallen to where he has almost no value right now. And Juju Smith-Schuster is probably in most leagues is going to be a third round startup value. So you, you have one player who, and again, Smith-Schuster also broke out early in college. So you have all of these positive developments, and then you have this big red flag of the final year in college not being very good. And so I think if you're looking for rookies who would break out, you might look to some of these people who have some similarities. So you have Cortland Sutton, who that last year really dropped down his value. And so that is a red flag. You do want to take that into consideration. You don't want to just ignore it and say, okay, well, we can pretend this year doesn't exist. But because he's also gotten a lot cheaper, he's someone you might look at there. Christian Kirk is another player who didn't have a great final season, but was excellent right away at the beginning of college as a younger player and goes into a situation where he has a lot of opportunities. So you have Larry Fitzgerald, maybe you have a little bit uh, of a situation where Larry's drawing some coverage, allowing him to incorporate into the offense a little bit more easily with a little bit less pressure, but then really can run with that. And then when Fitzgerald retires, which uh, is certainly imminent, then you have him emerging as this potential number one, even if it's not the traditional number one big uh, red zone type of receiver. So if we're looking at rookie breakouts and looking at people who uh, we want to might want to target as values, those would be a couple guys to look at. And then obviously we've done a, a lot of great research and Anthony Amico has done a lot of work with projecting the rookies and certainly DJ Moore would be the guy to target if you want to spend a little bit more. He's easily the best uh, rookie candidate and the longer term candidate from this class. Yeah. Uh... Anthony Miller, I guess, for all the reasons you just mentioned, Hassan is, uh, you know, he's not someone that I've, I've been really that high on this whole prospect season. Um, you know, he's being drafted ahead of Taylor Gabriel, it looks like. Their ADPs are actually diverging. So I guess everyone is kind of assuming Anthony Miller's just sliding into that wide receiver two role in Chicago. And I mean, it's not like Gabriel has been... Um, you know, has been excellent and could, would definitely be a, a threat to a skilled rookie coming in. But uh, I guess I'm wondering how certain we are that Miller even has that role locked up. And the other thing that you certainly want to consider there is how much is that offense going to support? I'm very enthusiastic about it. I think it's exciting what they're doing. Uh, but you have Allen Robinson, you have probably Trey Burton, and then Mitchell Trubisky, is he going to take this big jump like Jerry Goff? It's one of the hard things as a fantasy owner and just as a human being to remember that the last year is just one year. And everything that happened a year ago seems to 
give us a sense of, of what will happen next. So when we see a second year player and, and really it was, you know, Carson Wentz had a better rookie season, but both of those guys, they took this massive step forward. They led, you know, probably the two best teams in the NFC. Uh, Trubisky obviously has his work cut out for him to do that same thing, make that same jump. We've seen plenty of quarterbacks who did not make a second year leap after they were so, so, as rookies and if he doesn't do that it'll be it'll be more difficult and and none of this is really to criticize anthony miller specifically it's more about probabilities because you know miller was a fantastic college player over 1400 yards both of the last two seasons uh, 32 touchdowns over those two seasons you know if you got to watch him play he's one of these smaller guys who seems like he can just do anything he has these joystick moves um elite agility explosive leaping ability circus catches so i think the enthusiasm comes from a place that is very understandable both from a a potential volume perspective and from this perspective of him being a guy you can really uh, look at and dream about a little bit Uh, it's it's more a matter of you know do the red flags in that context uh, really support the price that you have to pay in, in a variety of formats before we get into No Shit Shit No, I want to remind everyone you can get a listener's only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content and it supports the pod. Uh, you can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz radio channel on iTunes. Do that and you'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry into a league at the FFPC. Go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to a future episode to hear if you're the winner. Also, if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the Rotoviz writers and podcasters, email us at rotovizradio at gmail.com and we'll get that set up. Now let's get into No Shit Shit No. Uh, all right, first item Brandon Marshall just signed a one year deal with the Seahawks per Adam Schefter. Well, this is one of those situations that is is not good news. I, I just traded uh, Brandon Cooks for um, Tyler Lockett and, and two future firsts the other day in a league where uh, it's it, it's certainly a, a championship caliber team. So to to hear this, you know, Marshall, I think, you know, you can come down on both sides of the question there because he is not going to have an impact. We, we saw what he is, is currently able to do last year, but... Uh, certainly in, in the short term, it's not going to help Lockett. And I, I guess the exciting thing there is if you're a Lockett fan is that you can now get him much less expensively, unfortunately, I've already paid. Michael Crabtree. Speaking after Thursday's OTA session, Joe Flacco talked up new wide receiver Michael Crabtree saying he's the guy. I don't know what he's the guy means in this context because he's on their team. And that is about all I'm getting from it. This seems pretty similar to when I'm down the street at the roadhouse uh, watching my movies in the recliner with the hamburgers and, and uh, French fries coming out there. And, and then, you know, I send in my little card to order more at the midway point and the, and the uh, server comes out with the Robert Brownie junior ice cream gelato, the, uh, whipped cream piled really high and they're trying to figure out where it goes and, and they're pointing over and they're saying he's the guy i mean th- that's that's the same the same sort of deal there i mean michael crabtree is a is a baltimore raven uh, i don't think that joe flacco recognizing he's on the team uh is fantasy relevant for us <laughs> jeff hobson of the Bengals' official website expects wide receiver tyler boyd to man the slot for cincinnati and also get some looks on the outside well, what do you guys think about this? This is, you know, some outside looks 
is he going to uh, take some of the LaFell snaps? Is this saying John Ross isn't going to uh, do much more than than run the deep routes? I mean, Boyd is is your sort of third year breakout candidate, and I think exciting in some ways in that his college production still suggests that he's someone who uh, has the NFL ability and could be like a really poor man's Keenan Allen or Jarvis Landry. But again, I mean, you can't just discount those first two seasons. It's a, a great situation there because uh, for fantasy owners, for believers, because he's so inexpensive. Does this news move the needle? Doesn't really move the needle for me. Just uh, I was, you know, always already trying to get Boyd on a lot of my teams where he wasn't, you know, where he wasn't too expensive to acquire, which is basically everywhere. Um, so, I mean, this is encouraging to hear, but. Uh, you know, I'm already probably too high on him. So, <laughs> I'm kind of with Blair. I I've got lo- uh, Boyd in a couple of spots, and I think part of it, when we're looking back at what Cincinnati did, they just sort of refused to play football last season. Uh, they refused to run the ball. They refused to pass. They really played it. It's just this goodnessly, like just this god awful slow pace, which really doesn't leave much by way of fantasy production. Then after that, you factor in the fact that AJ Green hogs about 30% of the available targets. There's not much left over in this offense, despite there being absolutely no one else on it. I think that if there, if there's going to be some more pass attempts uh, in the future, maybe there's something here for Boyd. Uh, like you said, Sean, like just as this really poor, like this just this really, really poor man's Keenan Allen, or maybe just even just a poor man's, um, Jamison Crowder would be something that I'd be willing to take. I don't know what his ceiling really would be, and does this and does this mean that they just don't really believe in John Ross, another former you know top ten draft pick in the first round? I have him pegged as a uh, second year breakout candidate. I don't know what you guys think on that one. Yeah, well, he's another another player there where uh, you, you can just get him so inexpensively because the rookie season was completely wiped out. So you know you balance those two things. <laughs> they they gave him a handoff instead of incorporating him into the passing game. That that seems very bad. But at the prices that he currently uh, is requiring, I, I think you definitely want to take an opportunity there. According to ESPN Packers, Rob Dem- Demovsky, Geronimo Allison is currently Green Bay's de facto number three receiver. Being the de facto number three receiver is like being sneaky fast, right? The It basically means that you're not. And so I, I really like uh, Jamon Moore and also buying, despite of, of where they drafted him, which is low, obviously. They're, you know, you have the more fanatics, you, know, you have the people, uh, including myself as a, as a Debbie owner, who still believe in Equinemia St. Brown. Uh, Valdez Scantling is the other guy, you know, trying to add a bunch of shares in there since they're basically free. Uh, anytime you hear de facto number three receiver, I think you're looking to some other opportunities there uh, to, to try and stash people because that's not going to hold up. Speaking Thursday, Saints coach Sean Payton said Cameron Meredith is, quote, way ahead of schedule in his recovery. That'll be just in time to fight the battle with Traquan Smith, the best value in rookie dress right now. Oh, Yes. I, I love Drake one Smith. I've tried to get him everywhere. Um, Bill's coach, Sean McDermott, said Calvin Benjamin is practicing fully during OTAs. He's practicing fully. What, is, what does that mean? Or, we have, we have this, this weight situation. We have the situation where the 
Panthers who go out and and then draft another wide receiver. So the the trade for Kelvin Benjamin or the trading away Kelvin Benjamin was to create opportunities for Devin Funches, or at least that was the way to spin it. But then immediately we get DJ Moore. We find out, okay, well, you know, things change. You have a different offensive coordinator. You have some shift in terms of priorities. Uh, you have the injury to Curtis Samuel, who is somebody else I think to buy. Although now your, your depth chart situation is a lot worse, but Benjamin, you have a, a situation there with the Bills where they don't, they still don't really have a quarterback, or certainly it's it's always interesting to watch the fantasy drafts. And there isn't a fantasy owner out there who believes they have a quarterback. And so practicing fully doesn't really do anything for an offense that, you know, isn't going to support a wide receiver this year. The Akron Beacon Journal's Nate Ulrich believes fourth round wide receiver Antonio Callaway will push Corey Coleman for the number three receiver job. This is one of those shit no situations, I would think, right? And if anything, it tells you a lot more about Coleman than it tells you about Callaway. Because if Coleman is not fighting uh, Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry for the one or two jobs, then he's not doing what he was drafted to do. And and I, I think that's hard to understand because you certainly saw plenty of situations over the last two years when his hand wasn't broken that you know he got open and you know looked like the the first wide receiver pick in that draft so uh this is this is what i'm not buying and i think it's it's not good news bucks offensive coordinator todd monken said sophomore wide receiver chris godwin has earned the right to start and we had a note on the message board about godwin in the second year breakouts and, and godwin is in an interesting situation where he is blocked there but but that's perfect for fantasy owners because you're looking for these opportunities where the cost isn't prohibitive when you're looking in the first two three four rounds and a breakout is already factored in and you have to pay for it when it hasn't happened i mean just because a breakout is very likely a receiver has been good in college has a good rookie season uh has all of these positive indicators if they haven't broken out then you know you don't want to pay for it until it happens and so godwin's adp he's someone else i was able to get in the mfl 10 of death uh perfect situation there because probably something does have to happen but you know you go a couple games where deshaun jackson again struggles and immediately godwin gets an opportunity there or you have an injury but godwin where he's being drafted what he's done it it looks like a fantastic situation for for fantasy owners Miami Herald's Armando Salguero said Ryan Tannehill to Danny Amendola is going to be a thing in 2018. I, yes. And how much of a thing is an interesting question because you have Albert Wilson there. Albert Wilson had his first really strong season last year, had the massive game with Mahomes. Uh, but Tannehill is a different guy. And so this is actually one of those news nuggets I think you definitely want to pay attention to because Tannehill and which receivers he gravitates toward with Jarvis Lander being gone, uh, you might be able to get a real late round value if you can find the right guy. Bears coach Matt Nagy said Allen Robinson, who's coming fresh off an ACL tear, is ahead of the game in his rehab. I'm not sure what this one means either because he should be uh, getting close to being ready. And so... Um, Really, with <laughs> with these players, you want to hear way ahead of the game or or ready to practice. Uh, but certainly, Robinson is one of those guys where uh, it's exciting to have him back. The injury situation is a little bit different, but 
you know, if, if he has a DeAndre Hopkins type of season, pops back from that third, fourth round range to really middle of the first round, I don't think that would surprise any of us. And certainly that would be very exciting. We, we want to see more of the, the young stud wide receivers uh, get back to that level of performance. The Indianapolis star Zach Kiefer believes Chester Rogers is the leading candidate to be the Colts' number two receiver. This is fun. I'm, I'm glad to hear this one. Uh, I have Rogers at the, the tail end of a lot of my, my rosters and have cut more established players in order to keep him in that 25th, 26th, 30th roster slot. Uh, do you all have any Rogers? And uh, is it relevant at all? Because what we're hearing, obviously, is that the luck is still not passing in. At this point, it would be a surprise if he's ready to start the season. I have a little bit of Rodgers. I actually dropped him to make some roster space uh, in a for a couple of rookie drafts. And in the places where I don't have Rodgers, I've supplemented with any of the other guys, whether it's Doris Fountain or um, Deion Kane. That's only one. And then I've got a little bit of Ryan Grant and a little bit of Ebron sprinkled and a little bit of Doyle as well. What about you? Uh, I had one share of Rodgers. I did the same thing, let him go earlier in the offseason. I think the only Colts player I own any of at this point is Naheem Hines. Um, you know, I'm kind of going into the season expecting luck not to be ready to start, maybe not even play. I don't know. Nothing I hear from Dr. Jeff sounds good. For Brian Costello of the New York Post, Quincy Anunwa is participating on a limited basis during OTAs. It's all Robbie Anderson with the Jets. Are you not worried about his uh, legal troubles or any of that? Well, I, I don't know enough about it, and so I'm not, I'm not worried. I, I have my head in the sand there. I think when he is, is ready and eligible to play, he's going to pick up right where he left off. Uh, unstoppable, young, deep threat. Um, definitely, definitely the Jets receiver to own. Zach Prescott said he doesn't think the Cowboys need a number one receiver. Well, it's good that he is on the same page in terms of the Cowboys messaging because they do not have one. And it'll be interesting to see how, how it turns out. Obviously the, the rookie there Gallup is getting a ton of, uh, he, he's one of the risers. He's, he's the guy we, we focused on last week in terms of really moving up in the NFL 10 ADP. Every rookie draft that I do, uh, he goes earlier, starting to see him uh, consistently in the first round, tail end of the first round there, above that Calvin Ridley, uh, Cortland Sutton area. Uh, I like Alan Hearns. He's a guy who's had a thousand yard season in the NFL with Blake Bortles. So, you know, when you're looking for possibilities there, he's he's a very inexpensive way to fill that. And yeah, I, if they if their offensive line performs the way that it has in the past, then they can definitely get away with it. But you know, Prescott himself is going to have to take a big step forward and and make a jump back to that real phenom superstar level he was as a rookie because he didn't get the job done last year. It's also kind of a rude thing to say about the true number one receiver there, Davon Austin. Um, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Bears running back coach Charles London said the team is committed to working with and improving Jordan Howard in the pass game. That'll be great for Howard, but this is going to be Tariq Cohen's team, uh, both in terms of the passing game and just overall. He's a perfect fit for what they want to do. Uh, I think he'll lead the NFL in receptions from the running back position. 
And even if he doesn't get the the running touches, which if Howard performs the way he has throughout most of his career, he probably won't get a ton of those. But Cohen can be the Darren Sproles, uh, you know, top five, depending on, you know, how many top running backs you have now. We've we've sort of uh, improved the depth at that position. And so, you know, you might not see a receiving only back uh, finish in the top five this year, but definitely, you know, pressing up against the edge of that. Uh, Jordan Howard isn't going to take away any receptions. Christian McCaffrey says he added about five pounds of good muscle. And this is a fun one because you can take advantage of McCaffrey's uh, mild slip in ADP uh, with the C.J. Anderson signing there. Uh, It's certainly possible that Anderson comes in, gets a lot of carries, but this is uh, one of those situations not that dissimilar from uh, what we saw with LaShawn McCoy, what you saw with Jamal Charles, what you saw with Ray Rice, guys who... Um, played some role as rookies. I think with McCaffrey, he was such a force in the passing game where they certainly wanted to incorporate him as a force. And anytime that uh, Cam Newton didn't throw the ball five yards over his head, he was. Uh, so that gives you the impression, okay, well, he's just going to be this receiving back. But those backs of his size, his track record, you know, what he did in college, McCaffrey is certainly my pick to lead them in, in all categories and have a monster season. Andy Reid said he wants to get Hunt even more touches in the passing game moving forward. And I think that he will because this offense moving forward, going with Mahomes, is going to be more aggressive. It's going to create more space. You're going to have defenses having to defend deep even more often. I mean, you've got Tyreek Hill and, and Sammy Watkins. That that stresses the defense so much. Hunt really bogged down after the first month last year. And so, you know, he's a dynamic player, breaks a lot of tackles elite uh, short area agility and balance and with that if you can get him across the line of scrimmage they're not a great run blocking team uh, not a good blocking team just in general you get him out there in the clear which is what Andrew Reid has always done you look at LaShawn McCoy you look at Brian Westbrook if he can be even more that kind of back and I think that he can uh, then you're going to see an even much more dynamic offense and they're put together to win shootouts so uh, when you look at Kareem Hunt you're, you're looking at a guy who could be that hybrid back who uh, doesn't just win a rushing title, but but wins a, a fantasy points title this year. The Dallas Morning News' John Machota thinks third-round wide receiver Michael Gallup will record around 450 yards and four touchdowns this season. And that seems like a fair projection. That's more in line with what his players of his ilk have done in the past and what makes sense within an offense that is not going to be a high-powered passing offense. So I think most people would look at that and say, well, that would be disappointing with the opportunity there, but that that would be a good season for him. Well, you know, you've been listening to us talk a little bit. We, we talked a little bit of redraft, a little bit of dynasty. And uh, let me tell you about our friends over at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The fantasy draft season is heating up, and the FFPC has a format to suit interest and budget. Whether you like best ball, super flex, Classic managed leagues, their drafts daily with entry fees starting at just $35. Jump into a slow or a live draft today. And as I mentioned, you know, we discussed a little bit of Dynasty. Well, the FFPC has almost 200 active Dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at $77 and going up to $2,500. And here's the thing. Not a single Dynasty league has folded in eight years. New Dynasty leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching on a regular basis. Don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffbc.com and register now. That's myffbc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Those guys are awesome. Definitely check that out. All right. For the third news item, uh, 
Washington recently signed Paul Richardson to a five-year, $40 million contract with $20 million guaranteed. Uh, is Richardson a year five breakout candidate, or are there obstacles in the way of his success? Um, you know, should we be worried about Josh Doxson? Are we expecting him to break out? Uh, how, how do we read this situation in Washington? One of the, the key takeaways from your work, which I, which I thought was cool, is that we, we do have this uptick in year five for breakout candidates. So, you know, year three is a little underwhelming, at least compared to uh, what expectations are, what that narrative has been, you know, over the last 10 to 15 years. Year four, you know, definitely disappointing. You know, you have people in the last year of their rookie deal sometimes there, and, you know, their team is, has gotten tired of them. Uh, new rookies are coming in. They've been backburnered. Uh, then you, you have this opportunity to go somewhere else. And because of, of this opportunity to move, we do see this, this uptick in the, in the year five breakouts. And I think Richardson is definitely a guy to target there. It's, it's probably too much of a, of a, again, that human nature of trying to match to the, the most obvious thing that happened uh, in the past. But we, you know, you, you look at, the situation with Golden Tate moving out of this situation in Seattle, which, you know, Russell Wilson can throw the ball. I mean, he's, he's an excellent quarterback. Doug Baldwin has been uh, a fantasy force there. This extremely high touchdown rate, all those kinds of things. So we can't look at it and simply say, well, Paul Richardson is being held back by Russell Wilson. That's not the case, but it may be a situation where the way that their offense functions is not set up to support multiple wide receivers. It's not necessarily set up to re- to support a receiver uh, like Richardson. And now that he is moving away, getting out of the shadow, and there really isn't a similar player in Washington. So you have Jamison Crowder, you have sort of a, an underneath threat. You have Jordan Reed, this very dynamic tight end, but who is rarely available on Sundays. And then you have Doxon, who you mentioned, uh, this, this third-year player and it's interesting because again, you know, you go to the ADP app and you see that the incumbent is valued uh, more highly than than the free agent acquisition there. And with Washington having put the money into Richardson, you know, made this decision on Richardson more recently, that's obviously a point in his in his favor. And there, with Doxon, you have all of those red flags we talked about with seniors and and he's someone else who you know there was a ton of buzz around him as a rookie he went earlier in rookie drafts than he probably should have and then again he dealt with the injuries and so a little bit like we've been talking about with Williams and with Ross more difficult to evaluate him because he missed essentially an entire season well he came back last year and again he didn't do very much and so I think the ADP should be swapped there. Richardson should be the guy. Certainly Alex Smith, how he'll function in that offense. That'll be one of the really interesting things to look at and to see when we start to get all of the uh, preseason reports, all the training camp reports when we're watching those preseason games. Smith had been a better passing quarterback going into last season than people gave him credit for. He'd been a better deep passing quarterback than people gave him credit for, but there was still a a sea change in the way that he threw the ball last year. And you look at his AYA numbers on the deep passes last season. And again, you know, you, you have the situation with Tyreek Hill where very few teams offer a player 
of that explosiveness to help the quarterback out. But Alex Smith passed deep last year. He did it very effectively. If he can do it in the Washington offense, then Richardson is a guy who is going to outperform his ADP. Uh, just a couple more bullet points I want to point out in the in the checkbox for uh, Richardson. He's about four months, four and a half months older than Doxson, and he's been in the league uh, for an extra two seasons over Doxson. Uh, when you're looking at the 2017 results uh, over on airyards.com, thanks to Josh Hermsmeyer for the info, you've got fairly similar profiles if you're looking at the 2017 seasons, uh, you know, except Richardson scored lower in terms of the target share and weighted opportunity rating, and yet he put up more PPR points than, than Doxson did, uh, considering that they saw almost the same amount of targets. I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm with Sean here. I just think that Richardson might actually be that fifth year breakout, and you that's the guy who you want to be targeting in drafts, whether it's dynasty or whether it's redraft. And you have to balance a couple of different factors here. You look at someone like a Jordy Nelson. You look at someone like a Michael Crabtree and Blair has also written uh, a fantastic article talking about how wide receivers, when they change teams, they actually tend to see their production go down. So if you look at them as, as an entire group, we're not really wanting to buy receivers changing teams. When you lose that continuity, when you lose that opportunity that was built in, when you go into a, a different scenario, and simply when you have a team for one reason or another, it's saying, okay, we're, we're done with, with this player. We don't want to do whatever it takes, uh, whether it's an extension, franchising, um, RFA, giving some kind of tag. They're not making the investment to keep that player there. That's not a great sign uh, in terms of what it says about the player. So when receivers leave, on average, they tend to see their value decline. But we have this very specific situation with the fifth-year breakout potential where, especially on an ADP like you're getting with Richardson, where he's basically priced to where uh, no fantasy value is expected. And so I think we want to take the opportunity. Blair, when you balance those two things, those two trends that you found in your research, where would you go on Richardson? Uh, I'm definitely buying Richardson. Yeah, I think like you maybe pointed out after the, the, the piece about wide receivers changing teams, it tends to affect wide receivers who are already in sort of established situations and are um, moving to situations where there's more uncertainty, I guess. Uh, whereas Paul Richardson is kind of making the opposite move, right? He's moving from a, a wide receiver group where he was competing kind of at almost the same depths with Tyler Lockett. And now he's going to uh, Washington where he's basically the only one kind of uh, getting those deep routes. So, yeah, I'm all on board. I was, you know, his ADP has been rising a little bit since I was taking him in early best ball drafts around like the 15th round or something. Now he's more like, uh, what, like 11th or 12th? So, you know, I think that's still a great value, and I'm still going to be drafting him there. According to Chip Scoggins of the Minneapolis Star Tribune, the Vikings are hoping to sign Stefan Diggs to a long-term contract. Sean, this is Stefan Diggs, you know, one of Rotoviz's just all-time favorites. You know, considering that the Vikings are looking to lock up Anthony Barr and Daniel Hunter to long-term deals, uh, how likely is it that the Vikings are able to lock up Diggs as well here? Yeah, I don't, I guess I don't have the answer to that, but I do appreciate that you have, have thrown uh, the, the Diggs question <laughs> in there for me, um, knowing how 
probably every third or fourth article that I write for Rotoviz is is Diggs centered. I was looking at my rankings the other day and I, I had to move Diggs down from like number 10 overall into the 16, 17 range just to try and be a little bit uh, less irrationally exuberant on his chances. You go back through and you look at his total point numbers and uh, he hasn't done as much as an NFL player uh, as, as some of the other young wide receivers. Certainly probably not enough to, to earn my number 10 ranking. But if you look on a per game perspective and you look at what the Vikings have done offensively last year, they were number 17 in expected points uh, fantasy at the wide receiver position. This year, they have Cousins coming in. Hopefully, they'll be able to start to build some continuity there in the offense where they're not uh, switching from Bridgewater to Bradford to Keenum. And all those quarterbacks can play. So uh, you're looking at that, and depending on on how you look at it, you can say Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, they're really benefiting from the fact that they've had multiple solid quarterbacks in there. At the same time, it's very possible that Thielen and Diggs have really – buoyed those guys held them up to where they were able to get some different opportunities and that when you come in with a Kirk Cousins you're going to see that explosion this season going back to college looking at some of his early production looking at uh, even his physical profile there are so many uh, striking comparisons between Antonio Brown and Stefan Diggs and I'm not saying Diggs is going to be Brown Brown has been really one of the best fantasy wide receivers of all time you know going back to look at those last four years his four-year average is phenomenal really unparalleled Diggs is not going to go up into exactly that category but he's going to rise and so you know talking about what a fair price for Diggs would be you know I I think anything where you're looking at a second round value for him you want to go out there and acquire him and last question about Diggs is this the season where he played the full 16 games I think so. I mean, why not? We know that that the mm-hmm. football is unpredictable and and all the the contact positions. Um, let's say that he gets lucky. Maybe he, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get a puff piece here in the next couple of weeks talking about how he has changed his routine and is maybe doing uh, some very exotic martial arts yoga, some stretching, maybe uh, going out, jumping into the freezing cold pool first thing in the morning when he gets up and he's developed a routine to where uh, those soft tissue injuries, no more groin strains, no more hamstring pulls. He's going to go out there and be that first couple of games of the season digs where he's beating guys 60 yards down the field, uh, making people look silly in the five yard range. Those 200 yard, two touchdown games will, will become um, just every other weekend for digs. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping that what we've seen has been just some some bad luck with injuries. Um, you know, you look at Kirk Cousins coming in, he's someone who is, you know, pretty consistently a top top 5 or 10 quarterback in the NFL despite uh his own wide receivers often dealing and tight ends dealing with uh a lot of injuries and uh you know, last year he's throwing to Jameson Crowder as basically his main target. So, um this looks like a big upgrade for him, and you know I think it's an upgrade for the uh, Minnesota receivers too. So I really am expecting the the explosion you were referring to. That'll do it for this edition of the Rotoviz Report. Special thanks to our guest Sean Siegel. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at ff underscore contrarian. Please remember to rate and review the Rotoviz Radio channel on iTunes. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening.
you for listening to the Rotoviz Report, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed, and be sure to contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio, and remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com.